RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Speak of the Devil, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Joined today by Sam Kassan as we get to know one of the young prospects for the Devils. We've seen a little bit of what he can do. We've heard a lot about him, and I'm excited to get to know a little bit more about him and what makes him tick. Yeah, Nolan Foot. I mean, I think the everyone loves the shot. I mean, we can talk about it on the ice. Everyone loves the shot. Uh, just a pure sniper, big body, uh, so much potential. And, you know, anytime you have a player that has a hockey background growing up, obviously with the foot family, but especially when you have such a, an illustrated career for a father, I think it's really interesting. And he talked about his father and how important his father was with his development from just helping him as a young player into eventually becoming his coach in Cologne. And of course, Matt, as you know, the, the coaching and the, the teaching and the fathership never ends. So even up until the point where his father and family were able to see him make his NHL debut. So uh, it's a long, it was a long road for him to get to the National Hockey League. And his father played in over a thousand games. He's got three. So only 999, or 997 to go. So hopefully he can reach that margin as well. One step at a time and you climb that mountain and we can only hope that Nolan Foote is able to have as successful a career as his dad Adam did in the National Hockey League and of course Nolan's brother Cal also playing in the NHL part of the Tampa Bay system so it's an opportunity for us to get to know another piece another foundational piece of this incredibly young team that as the pieces are put together you can see what the future holds it's enticingly close and we know that there have been some missteps along the way overall not as many wins that we as we would like to see but we do know with players like Nolan Foote added to Nico Heischer Jack Hughes uh, put in Jesper Bratta Miles Wood uh, Alexander Holtz is on the horizon there are so many good things happening with the Devils as it applies to the young pieces that will be here a long time that you know, I've left a few out, but we know how good and how young some of these guys are. So let's get to know Nolan Foot a little better as we welcome him to Speak of the Devils. Participate in Predict Your Picks, presented by Caesars Casino and Sportsbook. Devils fans can make predictions for every home and away game this season in this free-to-play contest for chances to win player-signed prizes every game. The more you play, the better your chance of winning our grand prize which includes a VIP concert experience and Devils signed jersey. Make your predictions at NewJerseyDevils.com slash picks. 
Nolan, thanks very much for spending some time with us. I want to go back to the moment that every player who ever laces up the skates dreams about, and that's scoring a goal in the National Hockey League. Can you take us through that first goal as you achieve that dream, the first of many you hope to accomplish? Yeah, I I definitely hope it's the first of many. Um, I just, I mean, it was so exciting getting the call up. I didn't know kind of if I was going to be playing in New York or at home. So the nerves were around and uh, obviously that's, that's normal. That's going to happen, but uh, it's, I'm just happy to be here. And um, it was, it was a great play. It was a, I mean, a great passing play. And I thought it was pretty cool that it was all rockets that uh, all Kelowna rockets that, you know, scored and assisted on the goal. So that was pretty cool and special. I thought in a wild third period, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It was crazy. I couldn't believe I don't, I don't think I've ever been a part of, a game with, you know, us down six, nothing scoring six goals in the, in the third period. That was crazy. You mentioned having your parents there for the game. Uh, what has this experience been like just in general being in the national hockey league? I know it's only a dip in your toe here. It's only a little taste, but made the jump to pro this year, played in Binghamton, but now in the NHL, what has the game been like? Um, I, th- I think the I'll start with bingo. I think the 20 games I played in bingo was, was really important for me. I know um, I didn't, I didn't feel really great coming into training camp with my injury. Didn't know what was going to happen. And I, I, my off season training was, was great. I just didn't feel, I guess, confident with my injury, but as soon as I started uh, getting in games, I felt way more comfortable. Um, started to get my confidence back, all that stuff. And um Again, just to be able to get the call up and, you know, get around the locker room, the guys, and just to learn from from the coaches, the guys soak it all in. It's been amazing. And, and you know, however many more I play this year with how many games left, uh, I just want to take it all in and, and continue to gain that confidence and grow as a player for next year. And how different is the game from the Western Hockey League to the American Hockey League to the NHL, I guess? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a huge jump. Um, the last real, I guess, high-paced hockey that I've played was the World Juniors because I, I didn't play after that. So that was a while ago, and obviously that's a fast tournament. You know, um, the last game against Russia, that was that – was, they're, they're a big, fast team, so, you know, they're always big. And um, just to, I guess, get up here, and, and I definitely noticed the speed of the – of the NHL, the first game, not only just like how fast guys are, but how fast the puck moves around and you really just got to be ready at all times. And it was kind of a unique situation with Binghamton playing in Newark and you kind of have some exposure. I don't know how much you were able to maybe talk with some of the Devils, New Jersey Devils coaches or some of the players or be around them or kind of get even acclimated, even though you're playing for Binghamton, but those guys are all around and evaluating you. Yeah, you're able to, you run into them, you know, when you're getting COVID tested, you'll run into a couple of guys. Um, I tried coming to, you know, as many games as I could. I think I went to a few early on. Um, you know, you just want to soak it all in. And and like I said, just try and create those those friendships and bond with the guys. And, you know, because this is such a young group. I, you know, I want to be here for a while and for the long run, for sure. You know, whom have you formed those bonds with, whether it be in, the AHL or the NHL, Binghamton or Jersey, is there any players really kind of either taking you under their wing or that you really kind of meshed with? Yeah, I, I meshed in bingo really well with Dave Quinville. Um, he, he, we had a guy uh, growing up 
uh, he played, he's from Texas. His name's Max Gerlach. He, he lived with my family in Colorado. Max ended up playing with uh, Dave up in Medicine Hat. So I kind of knew Dave through Max a little bit, met him when we had played Medicine Hat. And um, he was just a great guy. He took me in, gave me lots of advice. Um, lots of other guys as well. But um, here I've always been close with Ty. I know Ty's another real young guy as well. Um, you know, we've played Team Canada three times together now, and I played against Spokane a ton uh, in the Western League. So um, I would say Ty, uh, Jack as well. Uh, I sit next to Nico in the locker room, so he's great to me. And, you know, you just want to build those friendships and bonds and just, like I said, grow together. Have Ty and uh, Jack brought you into some of their Matthew McConaughey rom-com <laughs> in fest? Or, uh, no. You know where to go so far? Yeah. Oh, good, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that came out of our last conversation on the podcast with uh, Ty Smith. I would have never thought that those two, Jack leading the way in that, uh, you know, that they would be sitting down watching Matthew McConaughey rom-coms. But, hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> you learn things in this podcast. It's pretty darn <laughs> yeah. cool. Um, what a year it it was for you. I say was. It continues, though. But, you know, you talked about the injury. You talk about playing the World Juniors. Then COVID hits, everything shuts down. You wind up getting traded. You're trying to work your way through this injury, and now you come to a season that is delayed because of COVID and trying to find your footing as a professional. Can you just run through the last 12, 14, 15 months, what it's been like for Nolan Foote with all that going on? Yeah, well, it was a lot. I mean, it was it was definitely – I mean, I was I was in Tampa Bay a few days before I got traded, you know, getting some treatment and some stuff done with my injury. And uh, I got a call when I was back in Kelowna because I was just still trying to get healthy and get back in the lineup in Kelowna because we were obviously hosting the Memorial Cup, too. And that got canceled and um, got the call. Quick call <laughs> over with that. I didn't believe it at first, but first person I called was my brother and he thought I was completely messing with him. And uh, he was he wasn't too happy about that but uh it's a business and it's gonna happen and you know good for Tampa winning the cup you know that was a great trade for them but I thought Jersey made a great trade as well um and again when COVID hit it was it was hard too because uh my family was up in Canada and everything was just completely shut down so um didn't really quite know what to do for my injury at the time you know couldn't wasn't on the ice any of that stuff so um and then our family, we went back to Denver and um, things started to open up there, all that stuff. Uh, got into a good gym called uh, Resilience Code, where I worked with all their staff with my injury and training and then got on the ice and everything started to feel better. Um, and then around, you know, early December, I just, we were out at dinner with uh, my family and I got the call from my agent. He's like, yeah, the season's a go. So get ready. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you're on your way. You know, I, I realized you opened up a door that I didn't follow through. And so I'm going to circle back to if you're not joining Jack and Ty in the Matthew McConaughey rom-com film festival, what is it that you do watch? What do you like? Uh, what would be more your speed when it comes to entertainment along that line? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i try and just... You know, I've I think this year I've rewatched Game of Thrones. I have been big into Game of Thrones. I got both my brother and my dad into it last last year. So um, I don't know. I just prison break. I'll just try and watch shows. I'm not too big into like Xbox, I guess. 
I'll play a little bit. You know, I'd jump on Fortnite or whatever it is with my cousins. They love it. So I'll do that here and there. All right. You think so. of the Game of Thrones finale then? Were you as upset or did you like the way yeah, they uh, wrapped no. up the season? I, I was upset and I didn't, I didn't watch it when it was coming out and, you know, episode by episode, I watched it all at once. And, um, I, yeah, I didn't really like it, but I, I didn't really get the end spoiled. I didn't really know what was, what was happening. Like I didn't know what was going to come. So it was still a shock to me, but yeah, I didn't like it. See I, this binge thing. Uh, listen, Game of Thrones, fantastic show, but I've never, I haven't gotten into the binge watching. You know, I'll watch a couple of shows in a row, but then, then I want a little bit more. So I want to take a break. I want to enjoy it. It's like it's like a great meal. Why do I want to eat it all at once? I just want to take a, a little time to enjoy it and sit back a little bit. But I, I, I know that makes me a dinosaur in some ways because <laughs> because people just rip off season after season of a show. Hey, I just discovered this show. It was on for six years. I watched it all last weekend. I just uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I know. Well, the first time I watched Game of Thrones was I was at the NHL Combine and. <laughs> You know, you have quite a bit of downtime there, like in between interviews or whatever it is at night. So I got through, I think, a couple seasons there. And then once you're hooked on it, you're hooked on it and you can't you can't stop. Such a good show. Yeah. My wife and I uh, got turned on to Schitt's Creek recently, which is a heck of a show. Uh, But toward the end, as we made it through that last season, we did parcel out the last few uh, episodes because we were reluctant to see it end. We kind of knew how it was going to end because it had been out there, but uh, we were just kind of taking it easy uh, and 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 watching. But hey, you know, to each uh, his or her own. Uh, you, you, dad, we know the story. Your dad played in the National Hockey League for a long time, won two Stanley Cup championships, had a phenomenal career. Your brother's a defenseman. Your dad was a defenseman. How the heck did you become a forward? Hey. I don't know. I mean, just growing up, just love, I guess, scoring goals and being on the offense. I I think a big part of it, too, was I just, again, growing up around an NHL locker room, I love, you know, watching and seeing what forwards do when I was a forward. I mean, again, Matt Duchesne lived with us for two years, so he was he was a huge part I guess of my early career with advice and I still stay in touch with him and it was pretty cool to play a preseason game in uh, Nashville against him uh, last year and uh, he's a big part of it but yeah I don't know it's weird because sometimes growing up Cal loved to get in net like he just loved it too he's very flexible loves to get in net and um, I don't know it's it's, I just love scoring goals it's weird so he needed somebody to shoot on if he was in net, right? So, uh, you know, why not? It kind of worked yeah, out. Exactly. When did he move off uh, that goaltending love and say, you know what? I, I think I'll, I'll be a skater. I don't or know. Do you, think, do you think he would be called on, like we saw, uh, what, was it in Ottawa? Artem Anisimov said, hey, if another guy goes down, oh. I'm ready to go. You think your brother would put the gear on if called on? Uh, I, I think he would be an option, yeah. I mean <laughs> – He's, he's a big frame. He's got size 16 shoe. He's big body. So, I mean, he'd probably be an option for sure, but he was always like, he was always a skater, but he just also loved getting a net. If we were with our buddies playing road hockey or whatever it is. Something you said that. shoe. That's, that's a big foot. Yeah, it is. F- foot's got a big foot. It, it yeah. just was, it was there. It was there. <laughs> it was. What shoe size, skate size do you have? Uh, skate size like 11. 
not nowhere near 16. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> How much do you remember uh, watching your dad play? I know he, he retired, you were 10 years old, but when you were younger, do you remember seeing games with him in NHL? Yeah. yeah, I probably, I remember from when he was in Columbus. So probably when I was six, seven, eight, he was there when I was that age. And then, um, yeah, his last couple of years in Colorado, I remember it all. I just, you know, if we, if Cal and I got our homework done and we were able, you know, got our chores done, then we could go to the game, you know? So it was really cool. Um, we always had the same seats. It was pretty special. And, um, you know, if they got a win, we were able to go in the locker room after. So, you know, Cal and I were always, you know, cutting down broken sticks, turning them into mini sticks. We, that was probably our favorite thing. And then of course, you know, stealing tape. <laughs> <laughs> Taking bubble gum, right? Yeah, bubble. Uh, the trainers in in Colorado, they had a huge stash of candy, so I was always around them. <laughs> when you're watching your dad, I mean, do you realize that this is the National Hockey League? Like I said, I know you were 10, 10 or eleven whenever he retired, but at that age, are you aware of what he accomplished and what the achievements are? Were you just too young to really kind of fathom and really wrap your head around what he meant in his NHL career? Yeah, I think. I think uh, towards his last few years and obviously his 20 years he played and um, being around his his a thousandth game and um, his jersey retirement, all that stuff. Um, I think the jersey retirement was like, wow, like, you know, your jersey's in the rafters. No one's going to wear this number again in Colorado. I thought that was just so special. And to be down there on the ice in front of a sold out at the time Pepsi Center. That was that was really special. And obviously, when we first started playing hockey, we wanted to say, hey, like, I want to be in the NHL. I want to do what my dad does. But I think when when that hit and he retired and he really started to help Cal and I start coaching us and all that stuff, um, we just wanted to continue to get better and continue to get next level. And um, that's kind of when. I was I was 13, 14. Uh, Cal went to Kelowna and I saw the year he had. He was going to go college and then he had a great year in Kelowna and Kelowna produces some great NHL players. So um, we had a great two years there in Kelowna and uh, yeah, just always been a goal to play in NHL. But it definitely like after I think his jersey retirement, just, you know, you wanted it more. But do you feel any pressure with the namesake? I mean, obviously, it's, I'm not saying you want to fill your dad's hockey skates, if you will, but yeah. Is there any added pressure there? I mean, your dad's such a legendary figure, yeah. especially in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to live up to the career he had, you know, obviously 20 years and that <laughs> amount of games, all that stuff is you, you got a lot of work to do, but um, you know, it's, it's great. And um, I mean, we'll see how it goes when my first game comes in Colorado. I think that'll be really special. Yeah, homecoming, awfully sweet. I wonder, now that you've gotten a few games under your belt, you understood. I mean, your dad put in the work. You have put in the work to get to this point. I wonder, though, as you now have gotten a little bit of NHL experience, it's made the amount of games your dad played and those 20 years, I think you yeah. kind of referenced it a little bit, even more amazing. Like, wow, that's this is the best league in the world, and he did it for that long, and here I am just trying to get a toehold. Has, has it resonated yeah. a little bit? Yeah, you know, being three games into my career and looking at how many games you played, looking at the milestone Patrick Marlowe hit this year, it's just, it's insane to, to say Machara. I mean, it's just crazy to think that many games and 
even guys that are on their long Ironman streaks, it's just like, wow, it's impressive. And you want, you obviously want to do that. Yeah. And, and of course you're just focusing on game four as we record this, like, you know, it's all part of a continuum. You mentioned some of your, the NHL memories, so, you know, Matt Duchesne, you referenced him. And then of course the candy from the trainers, which is <laughs> also part of that and all the memories you had from your dad's accomplishments and what have you. Do you think growing up in that environment helps in some way? And, you know, what are some of the things you might have taken out of just being around the game that maybe at the time you didn't think it was kind of seeping in, but as you look back, it, it really has, and it's been a benefit. Yeah, I think, um, I think as when my dad retired and he was still involved with the abs and I was probably, I was in Bantam and whatever at Pee Wee Bantam, you kind of, you're still around, you're still around the team. And what I kind of took from it is just how professional, you know, hockey players are how they handle themselves around the room, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, even talking to Matt Duchesne, I was at, I was at Duchesne's wedding a couple of years ago and, you know, Landis Gog, Tyson Berry, a bunch of other guys were there. And I think I was 14, uh, 15, maybe 16. It was after my first year in Kelowna, but just to be around that and, and, and know you, you could, you're on the right path towards that and you, you want to be that. And, um, they were just, they were amazing to me at the time and uh, they always have been, but yeah, you just see how professional they are and, and how much hard work goes into it for sure. So families tend to sacrifice a lot for an NHL player, obviously trades happen, you move around. I know your father was in Colorado for most of his career, so he didn't have to move a whole lot, but typically you see, you know, kids that grow up in hockey families bounce around from city to city, town to town. In this instance, though, after your dad retired, you guys moved to Canada. In this case, he was doing it for you guys so you could play for Team Canada. So what did that mean to you that your father was willing to relocate just so you guys could play and represent Canada as your country? And, and what was it like representing Canada? Yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, the, the two years with our whole family there in Kelowna, um, it was pretty special. We built a home there. And um to have our family there, you know, it's, I never experienced billet family. So to have my parents there, you know, my mom making her famous chicken parm on game days, whatever, like, it's just, it's just, it was great to have, but um, no, yeah, I remember we were at home in Denver and my parents got us our dual citizenship, our Canadian citizenship. And that was one of the, that was one of the best days of my life. Cause I, you know, watching that you watch, everyone watches the world juniors at Christmas time. And uh, a lot of Christmases too, we would go back to Toronto where all our family is and, you know, you're wearing a Canadian Jersey or whatever it is. So, uh, for, for them to get that for us, that was, that was really special. And, uh, right away, I always wanted to play for team Canada. So yeah, that was great of them. And then your dad eventually became your coach. So what was he like as your coach? And th did you have a cutoff point where, all right, I'm, I'm your coach from hours, this to this. And then after that, I'm dad, or was there, were there no barriers there? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I had him in Bantam and Midget, um, but that's a, that's a whole lot different than junior for sure. And um, it was, it was definitely weird at first. And I, uh, I mean, when our coach before got fired, I had like, you know, the players asked me like, is it your dad, all that stuff. And I just was, I knew, but I was just saying, no, um, it took me a little bit to 
it took me a little bit to actually let him do that. And, um, you know, the main reason was to just build a team um, for the Memorial Cup and try and make a great run at it. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely at the rink. It was coach. And at home, it was just dad, you know, obviously he's still, he taught, even now, if you're at home and, you know, there's a highlight on the TV, he's like, did you see that guy? Like he, we're always talking hockey, so it's great, but um, really liked him as a coach and junior. He was great, um, but it was also hard at the same time, for sure. Was he as intense a coach as he was a player? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> he, was, okay. he was still pretty intense. I mean, he was, he was hard on, I mean, he was probably harder, harder on me than most guys, but that's, that's honestly what I wanted. I didn't want to just look like I had it easy. I wanted to, you know, it to just I, like, I was just a normal, normal player, you know, just like anyone else. And lastly, when you were throwing the games and you're on the bench, do you call him coach? Or do you call him dad? <laughs> I call him uh, coach or just nothing. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So your mom makes the chicken parm. Let's find out a little bit more about Jennifer. Everyone knows about your dad. Tell us a little bit about your mom. Uh, she's, she's got a lot of talent. My mom, she's not only in the kitchen, but she, she grew up an athlete, you know, her brothers were athletes as well. She, you know, did track and field. She was a figure skater. Um, uh, I remember her telling me she worked at a prison one year. <laughs> so she's, she's got a little bit of fight in her, I guess, <laughs> but she's, she's great. Uh, she's always been there for us, sacrificing it. And um, yeah, she's been amazing, especially when, you know, my dad was always gone in our first, my first 10 years, um, you know, always playing on the road. So she, she's always been there for us. She's the best. Sounds like a great resume. Love to have her on and speak with her about some of those stops. How much of you are your mom and how much of you are your dad in terms of personality? Um, I'd say little, I'd say both. I mean, that I think growing up, they both just taught my brother and I so well um, with manners and all that stuff and, you know, treat others with respect, all that stuff. So um Obviously, my dad's got a bit of that, I guess, hockey grit, you know, hard side to him. And, and you know, you, you want that in your game. You want that, of course. So uh, he, he definitely given us that trait for sure. What was it like when you were drafted? Obviously, it was a different circumstance and, and then looked like you might be able to reunite with your brother and such. What was it like on draft day? I, it was it was really cool. I. I didn't expect it at all. And I remember, I think it was Calgary picking 25, I believe, and uh, Nashville after them. And I think Tampa was ready. Uh, they were ready with their jersey right at, right when Calgary was picking. Um, so that was, I just remember Cal saying, you're going, like, you're, yes, you're going to go. And I didn't believe it at all. Um, but it was really special. We had lots of family there from Ontario. And uh, it was a really cool moment for sure. And uh, Tampa is a great organization. I was excited to be a part of it. But again, it's business. And so far, loving it here in Jersey. Was Cal giving you some insider information then? Did he know that they had you uh, ticketed <laughs> for 27? Uh, he did not know. No. Nope. He was just hopeful thinking. He basically yeah. spoke into reality. Yeah. 
Uh, last couple, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, you were born the year that Colorado won its second Stanley Cup. I wonder if there are any photos of a young Nolan Foote sitting in the cup. Uh, anything? There, yeah, there definitely is. There's some, uh, we had the cup back home in, in, in Ontario in Whitby. And yeah, I, I believe I was sitting in the cup or, or I, maybe I was on my mom's lap or whatever, but yeah, there's some photos. Pretty cool. And, and an opportunity at some point, knock on wood, that you would be able to do the same, hopefully for the New Jersey Devils. What do you want to do the rest of the season? I, like I said, I just want to, however many more games I play, just soak it all in, um, keep working on my game, keep working on my quickness, all that stuff. And uh, just learning from, from the coaches, other players, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here. And, you know, there's not much left, but I think just um, to continue to gain confidence and work on my game and have a great off season of training for next year. Do you think next year uh, or this off season going into next year, will be critical, they all are, but given everything that happened over the last 15 months, which you detailed, we seem to be getting closer to normalcy, like this will really be a year where everything can push forward for you? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a huge offseason. I know, obviously, it's not going to be near as long at all as this last one, because uh, I, I, I didn't play the game for a year and a half, so uh, it's going to be a couple months of, you know, training, skating, and we have a pretty good group of uh, guys that skate in Denver. Um, Butchie's there. So uh, it's it's a good group. And, um, yeah, just going to try and come into next year, uh, you know, trying to take other guys' spot, I guess, and just keep getting better. So you train in Denver in the, uh, in the offseason. Is it true that training in the higher altitudes gives you an advantage over other uh, players, or is that just a myth? I, I think it – I mean, I the only time I can recall – uh, other guys noticing it. Um, I, we were in Vancouver for an agency camp and we did the grouse grind, the mountain climb or whatever. And we did the climb and I think my brother and I came first and second. And then like some Chicago and Detroit kids were behind us and they were like, how are you guys, how did you guys do that so fast? <laughs> and it was that high altitude, uh, training and living that you enjoyed. Nolan, thank you so much for your time. We, Got to know you a little bit more. I know our fans appreciated that. You do know that you're a big part of the future. The fans are looking to you, to, along with the other younger guys, to elevate this team, join the young guys who have a few years' experience, and make this Devils team back to what they once were. And we look forward to seeing the development of this club, and the future looks bright indeed. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you very much. Boy, he was, he is not a Matthew McConaughey rom-com guy. Boy, he was pushing that away right away, huh? Wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was distancing himself hard. <laughs> he did tack away from that very quickly. But, boy, I thought such a thoughtful uh, response that he gave all the time and not intimidated by the media. We've seen that early. I, I think growing up underneath the spotlight that shone on his dad and now – blooming himself you know i i think he's ready for this moment for sure you can see the maturation even in his answers you can see how thoughtful he is he's not giving you the same run-of-the-mill things even when i asked him if he felt the pressure i think a lot of players aren't want to to say yeah i feel the pressure my dad was such an illustrious player his number retired in colorado has won multiple stanley cups 
you know, there, there is a shadow that exists there and whether these young guys admit it or not, it's there and they feel it. So it's nice that he was open about it and, and was able to communicate with us how he actually feels. And that he does feel a little bit of pressure and does want to make the name proud. You know, it's, he's not just here to have a cup of coffee in the NHL. He wants to make a difference. He wants to be a big impact on this team. And he, he wants to have his name etched on the Stanley cup right alongside his dad. So I love getting those answers and I love hearing his perspective. Yeah, and I was also impressed by the fact that he did not have a narrow view. He didn't just talk about, okay, this is what my dad, this is this is what I hope to do. This is what my brother's all about. Well, he wowed me when he started to talk about Patrick Marlowe and consecutive game streaks that have been honored. Uh, like this guy knows, how, he, he has a much bigger point of view. He gets the game. And an appreciation for those who came before, obviously. And maybe that's obviously in part to his dad, and watching his dad growing up and being in those locker rooms when you're a young kid. But I mean, he mentioned, you know, Duchesne being a huge role model for him, living with the family and how much he's helped him along the way. So I think he understands hockey culture. He understands hockey history. And you're right, Maddie. It's not just the narrow focus that you sometimes give with some of these players. He has an idea of the entire fabric that goes into the National Hockey League. And, and like I said, I think a lot of that is growing up as the son of a former player. But also, I think you can just see how mature he is as a, as a person. You know, I mean, he's only 20 years old, which is crazy to think about, you know, that he's got such a wrap around some of these things. So I don't even want to tell you what I was doing when I was 20 <laughs> years old, Manny, and I'm sure you don't either. But I certainly wasn't uh, as, as mature as he was, that's for sure. No, that, that is absolutely the truth. And I will say this, one day we'll have to get one of those photos of a young Nolan foot around the Stanley Cup. That would be pretty cool. And, and also maybe some video from that Duchesne wedding. I'm just wondering what kind of dance moves he had out <laughs> uh, on the floor. But at any rate, it was fantastic to spend some time with Nolan Foote, and I think our listeners enjoy, uh, enjoyed it as well. Now, as you know, Sam, you've only been with the organization for a short period of time, but community engagement, community initiatives, a very big part of what the New Jersey Devils and our parent company, HBSE, are all about. And on Thursday night, we had a celebration, I wouldn't say a celebration, a tribute night, military appreciation night, honoring those who serve us in the military. Yeah, and that's, I mean, they give us the freedom that we have. And we are, as a country, as a whole, as a nation, forever indebted to the sacrifices they make. And no matter what juncture it is, Army, Navy, you know, Air Force, uh, you can go down the list. Um, the things that they do to protect our freedoms, I, I, it's nice that there's a military appreciation night, but I honestly don't think enough can be done to show the appreciation because you are literally giving some of these people give their lives. And even beyond that, military families too sacrifice a ton being separated from loved ones for so long, for long durations when they're overseas. And so anything that can be done to give back anything that can be done to help show the appreciation that we have and that we feel, I think goes a long way. And like I said, it's, it's never enough, obviously, but it's something, and I think it's obviously a worthy cause. No doubt about it. And it's always an emotional night and, and the fans respond as well as the devils honor those who serve us. Well, a part of our coverage, if you will, of military appreciation night included an interview that uh, I was able to do with two people. One, Bonnie Carroll. She's the founder of TAPS, which stands for Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And also uh, a gentleman by the name of Jim Beamsdurfer, who's the VP of Veterans Initiatives at Prudential Center, one of our great partners as well. And he talks about their support 
for programs like TAPS. And Bonnie gives us a little bit of a detail of what TAPS is and how important that is. So it was my pleasure to welcome them to the Devils Hockey Network. This is the interview we conducted with them. And we thought it certainly bared repeating the information and uh, that they presented and the background, very important for our listeners to know about. So without further ado, let's welcome those two to speak of the Devils. Bonnie Carroll is the founder and president of TAPS. She is joined by Jim Beamsdurfer, the vice president, Inclusive Solutions, Prudential Financial Veterans Initiatives. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Great. Thank you. Thanks for Bonnie, having us, Matt. Bonnie, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about TAPS and why it is that you came about to found this initiative. Great. TAPS is the national organization for all those grieving the death of a military loved one. I'm an army widow. My husband was killed in an army plane crash along with seven other soldiers. And I also served retiring from the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. It is so important in this country that we honor those who have served and sacrificed in our military and what the New Jersey Devils do on Military Appreciation Night to remember all our service members is absolutely fantastic. So, TAPS is there for the families of the fallen to provide ongoing comfort, care, resources, and support. But we do this with community partners and tremendous support, like the support we receive from Prudential Financial. So it's great to be with you tonight. Well, we appreciate, again, your joining us and kudos to you for taking the bull by the horns out of tragedy, developing something so impactful in our world. In our sport, in hockey, it's stick taps when you do something good. So I guess it's appropriate that taps is with us tonight. Jim, tell us a little bit about Prudential Financial uh, Veterans Initiative and why the involvement takes place with taps. Sure. Thanks, Matt. So as an Army veteran, it's I feel like I've got the best job in the company because I get to do work that helps provide uh, a means of meaningful employment and financial security for military families. At the core of our work is really offering employment opportunities for transitioning service members, veterans, and military spouses. But along with that, we want to help military families succeed in life in general. And as a financial services firm, an insurance company, uh, part of that is helping the families that have lost a loved one. And the work, and and whether that's in the military or the general community, that's part of what we do as a financial services company. But being able to go that extra step to support military families, all the sacrifices that they've made over the course of their service members' um, service to our nation, and then when they're in their time of most need and they're vulnerable, they're grieving the loss of a loved one, to be able to support an organization like TAPS is just wonderful. And bringing it all together at Military Appreciation Night, we've had such a great run of this with the with the Devils, it's awesome because now we get to get the community involved and they can show their appreciation for the military, they can help support TAPS and these efforts to support military and the military families. It's a wonderful opportunity to just do more good that would really help the military community at large. So we're excited to have this event once again, and we're, we're thankful for the Devils and the Prudential Center for having us involved. Well, Jim, as you were giving that answer, Bonnie had a big smile on her face. She was nodding her head. Uh, why why the, the big smile based on some of the things that Jim said, Bonnie? 
Well, I've been there at the Prudential Center with our surviving families. When they come together to honor their hero up on the Jumbotron, to be with other families, to know that they're not alone, to be able to make new memories, it's absolutely beautiful. And what the New Jersey Devils do is just incredible. We're so grateful. Jim, what is specifically the relationship that Prudential has with TAPS? So we've been a longtime funder of, of the TAPS organization and helping support their uh, National Military Survivor Hotline. And what more can you do than enable those connections, right? Somebody's in need and they, they need to turn to help. And TAPS provides that help to military families. The other thing is that we have Prudential employees who volunteer and help serve as mentors uh, and, and volunteer in other capacities to help TAPS do their mission. And it's a great way for Prudential as a company and for Prudential employees to give back to the military community. I have a, a brother who's retired Marines, a sister-in-law retired Marines, a nephew who's retired Marines. So I understand a little bit the military world. And the reason I'm going to bring that up and the reason I do, Bonnie, is because the military is an entity unto its own. Whatever branch that you serve in, uh, they have their own terminology and their own way of life. But why is it important once they step out of that world to have a company like Prudential support an organization like yours? Why do former or current military members need all of our support? Well, whenever someone dies in the military, TAPS comes right alongside the casualty officer to provide then all of the ongoing support and resources, all of the emotional care that family needs forever. Prudential has stood side by side with us now for years in supporting our National Military Survivor Helpline. It's been answered live 24-7 continuously since October of 1994, there for families in those darkest hours of their grief following a loss. So it really is this wonderful community support to remember and honor the sacrifices made by our men and women in uniform and give them all of the care that they need and they deserve. Can you give us that hotline number for someone who might be listening and saying, I need to, I need some help? Oh, absolutely. It's 800-959-TAPS. That's 800-959-8277. And if someone wanted to reach out and help in some way, whether it's a company like Prudential or someone out there saying, you know what, I, I need to sink my teeth into something and this is resonating with me. How would they do that? Please go to the website at taps.org. Please volunteer, donate, support. Everything that we do is funded by caring Americans who understand service and sacrifice in our military. Well, again, kudos to you for uh, the work that you do, the president and founder of TAPS. Jim, I'm going to ask one last thing of you before we uh, sign off on this interview. What are some of the feel-good stories, if you will, based on Prudential's relationship with organizations like TAP and the military in general? Well, with, with TAPs in, in particular, Matt, what's really awesome is to see the eyes light up in a child's face, uh, see their whole countenance change. You know, they are grieving. They have a significant loss. And to be able to bring a moment of joy through a sporting event 
to a family, to a child, and to maybe share a memory that they had with their lost service member, it's incredible. I mean, you can't even put words into it. You just want to break out and cry and smile and all these emotions at one time. And to be able to be a part of that and helping somebody get through the grieving process is just an incredible experience. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to partner with TAPS and help them in their mission. And it would be a wonderful thing if, you know, more and more people hear about this. And as Bonnie said, you know, they need all the support that they can get. And it's through Caring Americans and providing um, that support to TAPS that we can all do our part to, to show true appreciation for the military and those families that support them. Well, Jim and Bonnie, thank you very much for your time today. Continued success, uh, Bonnie, with you at TAPS and Jim uh, with you at Prudential Financial for uh, supporting an initiative like this and the good work you do in the community. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. So we want to thank both Bonnie Carroll and Jim Beamsterfer for their time and for the work that they do to help uh, our military family. So as we wrap things up on Speak of the Devils, uh, in hockey, we say stick taps when somebody does something good. So stick taps to Bonnie Carroll and to Jim Beamster for, uh, for their good work, Bonnie, for founding taps and Jim and the good folks at Prudential for their assistance and their support. And it was a special night. It always is. And we want to always give our support and shout out to those who serve us in the military. And on that note, we will wrap things up. Sam, always a pleasure. I think it was an enjoyable, informative Speak of the Devils podcast. That's generally our standard, but I really enjoyed spending time with Nolan Foote and our guests, uh, Bonnie Carroll and Jim Beamsterfer. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great time. And like I said, I love getting to know these guys and obviously the work that they're doing for the military and for appreciation, I think goes a long way. So love hearing their viewpoints, love hearing their feedback. And can't wait to do this again with you, Maddie. Absolutely. Look forward to the next time we get together. In the meantime, thank you all for listening to this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. For Sam Kassan, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thank you for your company. It's greatly appreciated. Until the next time, be safe, be well. So long, everyone. <laughs>